Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. Hey, Ben, how you doing today, brother? Uh, doing pretty well. Starting to get used to the fall weather, at least in the mornings here. I'm sure, I know you probably already bundled up, up in New England. It has been cold, so yeah, <laughs> it uh, we've dropped below freezing a couple times up in Maine, and uh, but you know a lot, you know, you got some nice sweater weather type stuff, and there's some good places to get a lot of uh, things for that. So the only thing I wish wasn't so cold is the performance of the New England sports teams this year. That has been a great <laughs> disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if you follow the Patriots kind of of a quarterback controversy, and uh, it seems to be a, more of a question of do they have two great guys uh, that, uh, or do they have two, you know, let's just say less than great guys, but we'll see. <laughs> well, they had a hard act by the, to follow for uh, 20 years. So. That they did, so anyway so but you know one thing i have enjoyed in new england actually was last week i got the opportunity to fellowship with some pastors of uh, really gospel-centered churches throughout new england and we were really blessed to uh, be able to connect with somebody that I've, I've known a little bit we've been able to talk with over zoom over skype through these podcasts and now zoom today and uh you know so we're able to really check check in with him a little bit and it was a great opportunity for that actually it's Chap Bettis, uh, the uh, founder of the Disciple Making Parent Ministry. And, uh, you know, actually, it's been a real blessing to me because when I got in New England, Chap reached out to me, I think by email, and he was the source of really connecting me to a lot of these other pastors and a lot of opportunities that I've been able to take advantage of that has been a blessing to me. So, uh, so I want to welcome Chap onto the podcast, and I want to thank you formally, Chap, for the ways that you've blessed me since moving to New England. I'm well, glad to have you in New England. It's a joy to talk with you again. Thank you. I, well, I'm glad to have you again. So, And uh, today we're going to be talking to Chap about when children walk away from the faith, uh, which I think is an important topic, but I, I think it is important for us to bring on somebody a little more seasoned in ministry uh, than Ben or I. And uh, not to say that Chap, you're old or anything, but uh, you know, I think Chap has a lot of influence and expertise and, and really uh, great thoughts around topics like this. And so we're really glad, glad to hear thoughts i hope you're i hope you're ready to hear from this as well ben yes yeah i'm looking forward to this i know he's given thought to this and i mean he's got kids that are older and of course i know walking with the lord but um pastored a long time so yeah it's gonna be a blessing Amen. So, now uh chap what is new with the disciple making parent ministry and if i believe we're correct the last time we had you on it was the apollos project yeah, and that's still our legal name. Um, we've just changed our, our name that uh, rebranded because that is just much, much more obvious to people what we do and uh, just in line with uh, the main centerpiece of the ministry, which is the Disciple Making Parent book, and which I would argue is saying that's God's call on our life is to make disciples. We've given, been given little disciples when we've been given children. Um, and uh and so as parents we're a huge influence that's that we rebranded the um 
Yeah, so what's new? A uh, number of different things. Um, we've got a new uh, pastor meetup, which uh, I'm excited about doing that once a month. I've always felt like the growth is going to, or the most spiritual benefit is going to be when there's somebody uh, in the local church who's a champion and can equip others. And so finally, we're, we're trying to meet with those people and it's just getting off the ground. So that's one thing. Uh, I've, I've started a new audio blog where I'm reading my um, past blog posts in audio format uh, because so many people listen to um, podcasts. And uh, yeah, so that's that's bringing that old content out. And a couple of other things. We've got a new Parenting with Confidence a book. The material's been out a year or two, but we just wanted to make the, the book professional. So that's a video series. That's our Parenting 101, uh, just because sometimes parents, when I would do Disciple Making Parent conferences, I'd get parenting foundations, questions, discipline, routines, charts. So, yeah, those are some new things. Old guy trying to le- learn social media, but we'll, we'll see how that that goes. But, uh, yeah. Are you on TikTok? <laughs> and I, the whole Chinese connection scares me. I, I, I think I... I think I uh, get on social media right as it's going down. So I'm just now, you know, on Instagram and uh, <laughs> been on Instagram about uh, or trying to be increased on Instagram uh, for this year. But yeah, I know TikTok's the place to be, but I, I some of the guys I read basically say we should ban it, um, you know, it's because of the Chinese connection. So anyway, yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't think any of us are. So unless then you're doing little dance videos or anything, I don't think. Yeah, that's so. not ways that the Lord has gifted me. So, uh, so chap, you have a, a, a wealth of resources on there, and uh, I've I've read a number of your articles in the past, and just consistently, there's wise content, not just about parenting, but about evangelism, apologetics questions, and so. If we know, can answer all the hard questions and we've made use of the resources on there, I mean, is that just a guarantee that our kids are going to remain steadfast in the faith? Yeah, that it, it's not. And our, our job is to be faithful, not necessarily successful. One of the things I say is uh, our kids' salvation is not by works, not by their works, and not by our works. So we, we cannot do enough so that we guarantee they walk with the Lord. And I, I think that's a misunderstanding of Proverbs 22, 6, um, which made up a child in the way he should go. He's, he's old apart from it. I actually have a whole blog post on that. Just arguing that that's a proverb, that's the way things generally go. So on the one hand, it is an encouragement to train our children. Um, on the other hand, it's uh, we've taken that as a promise. And so, yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think you've got to be able to say, and what God wants people to say is, it's it's God's grace. So to look for parents to look at their children and say, "Yeah, I did everything right. You should do exactly what I did right." Well, that they're not. You don't need the grace of God in that. So, um, so, and I I believe what God calls us to is to be faithful, and uh, and then if there's fruit, we say, "Oh man, praise the Lord," and then. Sometimes there's problems and parents have been faithful and sometimes parents have been very unfaithful and God's grace reaches down. So it's, it's not a guarantee. Um, absolutely. 
Yeah. Now, uh, I, I have an additional question related to that, but, you know, and perhaps and even in the question, there will be uh, some discussion, uh, as I know some people debate whether or not some of these things are even inherently true. But why do you think the number of young people walking away has gone up so much? You know, that might not be true, but at least that seems to be the perception. And I know many people definitely do believe it's the case. Well, I think what we're seeing in our country is the loss of the uh, what I call the mushy middle um, people who are just going to church, and so uh, so there are a number of vital churches that are growing, um, and young fervent young guys like you, but at the same time there are a number of people who just showed up and were Christians in name only. Um, the culture is pushing them away. So I mean, there's 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 media that um, pushes us away and re- really does an in around. I like to say, you know, I'm an apologetics guy, just very logic, like to be logical. What are the proofs? Yeah. That's part of my own story. But the arts do an in run around that and kind of attack um, our, our values without having a logical conversation. So, um, yeah, so I mean, and, and so some of that is comes out in um, some of the gender stuff, some of that comes out in terms of politics. So, and then of course the media amplifies everything that's bad about Christianity uh, or about the so-called Christians. Um, so you're never gonna have uh, media reports or, or social media um, on faithful Christians. What you're gonna have is, is all about the, the hypocrites. So to me, there's just, Every a lot is pushing against our our kids, and I think our country is going into a new dark ages. And maybe um, that's because I'm older, but um, you know. So, is this really right? Is Christianity really true? Is it right when so many people uh, are walking away? So I think all those pressures are on our are on our uh, kids, and it's a it's a hard time. It's a hard time. I think. Being in New England, um, uh, it's been that way for a while. It's more, it's, it's stronger than other parts of the country, perhaps similar to the Northwest. Um, but uh, I think it's coming all across the country. Christian, Christians in the Northeast are the strange, hateful, dangerous ones. Um, and I think it's coming that way to the, to the rest of the rest of the country. Don't want to be too pessimistic. Um, but uh, yeah, there will be social pressure not to be a Christian. Yeah, it's a good word. So I like your term mushy middle. So I've never heard that before. I think it's a good description. Yeah, I was at a, a small gathering of pastors and church leaders this past week. Um, there was a guy, Tony, you probably remember his name. I don't know Jeff, <laughs> if you would, but uh, he's a pastor in Louisville, Kentucky. He's in Ryan Fullerton. And uh, he brought that up he was talking about expositional preaching and um he said you know this doesn't disprove christianity it proves what jesus said that there would be people who walked away and so obviously that wasn't unique to ryan that was unique to jesus but it, it's just it's confirming you know jesus's authority so chat why do some children that have great discipleship happening in their home the parents are being faithful like that and they end up leaving the faith but then others they they stick around it's just great i mean grace i mean we can we 
let's talk a few minutes about different factors perhaps but at the end of the day it's i mean it's grace um so i think factors that help factors that i would emphasize in the disciple making parent are a strong relationship the, the commitment to the heart of the child to know what's going on a commitment to walk the faith in the home to be an example so that Kids cannot look back and say, yeah, my parents were hypocrites doing one thing in public and doing something else uh, in private. And and that's from what I hear, some of the, the all the people who do the studies, you know, that's the number one objection of those who grow up in a Christian home is hypocrisy. So, so those, I think that I think also part of teaching them the faith is shepherding them from dangers is realizing the dangers that are out there. Those things can't explain everything, and ultimately, it's grace. I, I think I think there are there are personality types that are more bent either on questioning rebellion or perhaps more sensitive to the suffering of others. Um, okay. And so, therefore, when they hear the the lie that Christians are Christian Christianity uh, is is mean and harsh and et cetera, because their heart goes out to the victim, they can amplify the victim to the sense of Christianity. But ultimately at the end of the day, none of those explain why, but those might be some, might be some factors. Yeah, I think that's well said. I like that you kind of, you know, hold two hands on it. You know, it's, I think it's that I feel like sometimes we can default to kind of one of the two truths where it's both the case that, you know, God is sovereign and, you know, we can't control who is saved. And also it's the case that we have these responsibilities and, you know, how we work that tension out, I think is a mystery that maybe we'll find out after this life. But uh, it's, uh, no, I really appreciate how you navigated that. So thanks. Now, uh, to get somewhat into, the, you know, we're theological family ministry. This is kind of a theological issue, but I think it actually is very pastoral, especially to parents. Uh, I want to ask, can children truly lose their faith when they get older? Because we talk a lot about children losing their faith, and is that a real thing that happens? Yeah, I think, I think that's helpful to bring up, because losing their faith is not a biblical term. Wandering away might be being hardened by sin's deceitfulness is a biblical term, but, um, yeah, I can, can someone, can someone lose their faith? And we would, I would say that, that if a person is truly saved, they're not going to lose their faith. Um, having, having said, how does that work it way out? One, of, I really think one of the insights from the disciple making parent is that's unique there's a lot in the book that's not unique but um second timothy 3 14 and 15 paul says to timothy as for you timothy continue what you've learned and become convinced of and um so i think 98 percent of the people i will survey i will ask you them those of you who grew up in a christian home how many of you grew up in a Christian home? Hands go up. And then I'll say, how many of you had a time later when your faith became your own? And 98% of the hands will stay up. Uh, and so that's, that's to me, that's right out of 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, um, where they learned their faith and became convinced. But then, and that you'll see this in all of our churches, I think, 
you ask that person who's now the faith has become their own and you'd say, when did you become a Christian? And some will say, I think I was a Christian at a young age. I think I came to Christ at a young age, but my faith became my own as adults. Other would say, I think it was a false profession. I don't think I really was a Christian and I became a Christian uh, later. And in one sense, it doesn't matter because they're following Christ yeah. at that at that point. So, uh, but I do think it's interest. It's just interesting. We want to honor, promote, encourage childhoods professions of faith, and yet also say, okay, just as your just as your uh, child's body grows into an adult's body, and you need adult teeth, you know, no longer need children uh, child's teeth, but you need adult teeth. So, a similar way, you know. Super glad that there's a childhood of profession of faith, but there also needs to be a pressing in in the teenage years to make their faith their own. And um, so to me, that's and I'm, I'm not in the South, but to me, that's what I see sometimes is, oh, I've checked off the box. They profess faith at six, seven, eight. OK, good. We are all set. Now we can pursue sports, college, et cetera, all those other things and all for good education, lots of activities. But at the end of the day, I think the message needs to be you need to keep pressing into the Lord and making your faith your own because uh, baby teeth in adults will, I think they'll decay or they'll, you know, they, they won't work. And you can't have a baby, you can't have a child's faith in an adult body. So you've got to keep pressing into the Lord. So, um, yeah, that's probably what I'd say about that. No, they can't lose their faith, but they need to keep pressing into the Lord. Okay, good. Yeah, so kind of digging more into the doctrinal weeds, but I think it's important. Um, do when children if they demonstrate that they weren't regenerate, does that always mean that there's just this overt denial of Christianity? Well, I uh, you're saying the children who show up um, who who show that they weren't regenerate later overtly deny. Yeah, is it just mom and dad? I hate Jesus. I hate the church. I'm, I'm done with this or could it show up in other ways? Well, I, I think what, what is to me, if you do, I think Christian parents are responsible to present the gospel and to train the character. And so someone can be kind and nice, well trained by their parents and yet uh, not want to follow Christ. And uh, if you think about it, I think we think the ultimate manifestation of sin is the prodigal son. But to me, but to me, as I understand it, the, the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God without all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And and part of the way sin manifests itself is um, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. So really, we don't want jesus we don't love jesus cherish jesus we don't him to want him to rule our lives and and so that's the ultimate sin so you can have a very kind person who just doesn't want jesus who just doesn't love jesus doesn't want jesus so my my uh, my doctor is inc- incredibly kind probably one of the most kind people i know but at the end of the day he is he is not a believer he's not regenerate because he doesn't want jesus to run his life so, so to me, there's lots of ways that you can ha- have nothing to do with Christianity. And I, I think, I don't know, it'd be interesting to turn the mics around and ask you guys this, but to me, 
you know, one of the way, one of the phrases I, I think I've started thinking about recently for deciding or helping kids look at their own hearts is where in Hebrews, where God says, um, talks about the law is written on your heart. And so the question, the question is, is, is God's law written on my heart? Do I real do I love him? Do I want to please him? I certainly fail. Um, but so uh, that's, that's the sign of, yeah, that's, that's the sign. I, I think, you know, it's interesting, my own experience growing up, um, I think I really was regenerate and saved around the age of eight, and yet was very weak in high school, mm-hmm. weak Christian, went to parties that I shouldn't have gone to. Um, so you, we can't always judge what's going on outside. Um, yeah. I, so, yeah. And then there's also... Goody Miss Two Shoes, who, you know, has no love for the Lord. So it's really, yeah, I don't want to judge outside what's going on inside. Yeah. I, I just want to, I feel like so often, I, I'm glad you brought up the, kind of the goody got a little two shoes that doesn't know the Lord. And that my experience, you know, I have a lot less than you do, brother, of course, but, you know, I better part of a decade of full-time ministry. I feel like most times where I, I've even gotten to know adults that want nothing to do with the faith, want not don't go to church, that were raised in the faith, most of those cases, they're pretty moral people, and they would check the box that they're Christians. But you know, I mean, that that would mean nothing more to them than a survey statistic. So I, I think in a lot of ways, this is a broader issue than even just the person. I mean, there's obviously the person that becomes a Hindu or a, a hardened atheist. The hardened atheist is almost a stereotype. But for every one of those, I feel like there's got to be several of the, the goody two-shoes, right? Yes. And, and that's why I emphasize uh, seeking God, pursuing the Lord, because, um, I mean, I had some significant growth when I was probably 22 or something yeah. in that age. So I, I think to, that we, we Paul, you know, Paul in Ephesians 3, in Ephesians 1, he's praying prayers for believers that they would know God better and that they would experience God more. And I think, I think that we need to say that to our, to our kids. And, and if there's no hunger for God, God seeker was a, a name in the Old Testament. If there's no hunger for God, then I think we're right to say, "Hey, yeah, are you really? Where, where are you at with the Lord?" You know, and being nice is not equivalent to being a Christian. Mm-hmm. I've heard Tim Keller say, "Well, you know, there's and you brought up the prodigal of the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son that there's more than one way to run from God. You can go run and live the frat lifestyle." You can also run from God by being very, very good. Um, but, you know, the, the older brother has no heart for the father. And so uh, you see that manifested in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, well, we've kind of seen the dire situation of people walking from the faith or, you know, uh, not really losing their faith. But can parents really impact whether or not the, their child is a Christian in adulthood? Or is this just kind of something that, you know, it's just, we'll see. I think you've somewhat answered that, but I'd love to hear more details on that. Yeah, I absolutely think we can. We have, I would say we have influence, but not control. 
So we we can influence. And, and again, why a lot of people walk away? They say hypocrisy in my family, hypocrisy um, in the church. And so if we're living the Christian life, if we're opening the word, if we're speaking the gospel gently to them, uh, if we're making God, uh, making Jesus uh, attractive, then of course, and, and I've got some quotations, I can't pull it out right now, by Spurgeon in The Disciple-Making Parent, where he he argues that, um, you know, just basically most kids come to Christ at an early age. Their heart is not hardened by sin as much. So we should expect uh, that most of our kids will follow the Lord there. We're, we're a Baptist background, but I think there is something that... that um, that they first Corinthians seven, they're growing up. Some, there is a sanctification process or a sanctification influence. They, they have a benefit to growing up in a Christian family. So I'm, I don't know if I'm prepared to call them covenant children, but, but, but we should expect that most in fact will follow the Lord. And uh, yeah, I mean, Matthew 18, you know, he says, woe to those who cause these little ones to stumble. So, so are there things in our lives that will cause them to, you know, to stumble? So, yeah, I would, I would say yes, absolutely. And the scriptures just totally back that up. Deuteronomy 6 um, is to the whole community, but it's also to the parents. You know, when you lie down, when you get up, uh, the community is not going to come in and put your kids to bed and get them up. Um, that's parents' job. And Ephesians 6, fathers don't exasperate your children, but bring them up in the instruction and training, training and instruction of the Lord. So, um, yeah, it's absolutely uh, on us to to pass the gospel, to them, to hold out the gospel faithfully. And, and most, most will grab the baton. Yeah. Hey, Amen. God works through means, not just, doesn't just zap us spiritually. <laughs> um, so, Say you have a child in your home uh, that they've rejected the gospel. Should the parents require them to to participate in the means of grace, to to go to church with the family, to participate in family worship, those kinds of things? Well, wait, let me ask, what do, you, what do you mean by rejecting the gospel? Well, say, I mean, they're just overtly like, mom and dad, I don't believe this. Um, I'm, I'm not a Christian. They're self-consciously not a Christian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just had a discussion with someone uh, recently about this. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, to me there are this is a, this is a larger conversation, but um, to me, teenagers there's there's two principles. Teenagers are adults in training; they're not full adults, and therefore they're living under my roof. There is there is financial support. And so I, I think I can require, as long as I'm giving you financial support, certain, certain things. Um, and um, so I can require, I would at the very least require church attendance. Um, you know, maybe, maybe and I, I think you have a question about family worship, maybe family worship, but um yeah, I don't know that the jury is still out. I mean, the jury's never out in one sense. Um, their story's n not over, and so I can seek to woo them. But there's also, I think, because I'm an authority and I'm providing finan finances for them, 
then I would say, yeah, this is this is what we do, and and um, this is a benefit. You you don't realize you know you don't realize all the benefits that are coming to you because you live under this roof, um, you know. And so the, so there are requirements. That's just the way life works. Is if you get benefits, you're meeting some requirements. So um, so I mean, you could expand that. And again, I think I'm kind of especially teenage years sort of as a donut with the outside being behavior and the inside being the heart. And even if their heart is hardened or turned away at this point, I can still require reasonable things of their behavior. So teenager, you know, my teenage son, no matter where he's at, if he's living in my house, can't speak disrespectfully to his mother or my wife. You know, that's just, a, that's a behavior issue. I can plead with him because of his heart towards his mother. That's at the, going after the heart. But even if he doesn't do that, there's certain rules of living in the home. And so I guess that's a rather long answer to say, I, I would want, again, go after the heart, make it good, make it joyful, going to church. This is good for us. God loves, et cetera, et cetera. Just sort of pleading or speaking reasons is positive. But then I think at the end of the day to say, look, if you're, you're getting financial benefit from me. You'll be an adult. You'll be out on your own and you can make your choices then, but, but just some minimal requirements. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I think that is, you know, just a very practical question, but I've known so many parents that have struggled with that, especially, you know, fearing of, you know, wanting um, them being feeling forced to go to church versus them wanting to. And and I think it's really helpful that you address. We do address the heart, but at the same time, it is right to utilize these means. And, And frankly, God uses things like this to change the heart at times more than we can expect. So. Now, how- yeah, just if I could follow up on that. Yeah, I think, I think, and we can acknowledge, I think you can acknowledge, look, I, kn- I know you told me you're, you're not a believer and, um, you know, whatever. And, and I would, to me, it, that's why I asked about what you meant by those who reject the gospel, because I would want to dig deeper in that. I would hope that in the teen years, they would still be trying to decide as yeah. opposed to no, I'm firmly convinced I don't believe this. Well, that that had reasons. So they didn't just wake up one morning and say, "I'm not a I'm not a Christian." They they had reasons. So then I want I want to try and unpack that, and that might be one of those expectations of living in my home is that we uh, that we you at least have a conversation with me where you're talking about why and help me help me understand what's going on in your heart why. Um, yeah, why you're you're finding it hard to believe, but I but I would say I I find that surprising. I don't find it surprising because I've had those questions asked of me. But I find it surprising that parents uh, have trouble with that um, because I just think that's one of the benefits. That's that's a minimal thing. And then you know, like you said, God uses means. It's interesting. One of the verses. Um, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, he's talking about giving. He says, store up treasures in heaven. And then he's, he's a very interesting sentence. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you're like, no, no, Jesus, you got it backwards. It's where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And he says, no, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So in other words, as you give, your heart follows your treasure. And so part of 
part of just going back to let's take church attendance, um, you know, as there's so many benefits of church attendance and hearing the gospel. So even so there's gospel benefits, but even there's just regular benefits of, oh, you need a job. Let's go talk to Sam. Sam's goes, uh, you know, Sam goes to our church. Maybe that would be a good job for you. So there's there's just all these benefits, but that I think can gradually um, melt, melt the heart. And so similar to similar to um, like, you're, you know, we, we say in truth, rightfully say God uses means. But there's there's a specific one where Jesus says your heart follows where you give money. That's a helpful thought. So, and I never thought about that in the Sermon on the Mount, and I've preached on the Sermon on the Mount, so <laughs> that's, I'm sure I'll preach it different next time. So that's good. Now, uh, we talked about the church, uh, you know, and the connection of parents requiring it, but I, I want to talk some more about how church is a role in this. And so I want to ask, how can churches support parents whose children seem to have rejected the gospel? Yeah, and so this could be pretty inclusive, you know, might mean the person that's, you know, a nice, you know, the nice young adult that, you know, doesn't seem to be interested in the things of the Lord, or it could be the 17-year-old that, you know, thinks all this Christianity stuff is stupid and, you know, they just want to, you know, to be with their friends that uh, are smarter than it all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, again, I, I mentioned before Proverbs 22, six. So I, I think the wrong way is to say, Oh, you know, the, these parents must've done something wrong. Um, yeah. Hopefully the parents themselves are saying, yeah, feel free to speak into my lives life. So one, one thing wrong would be, uh, you know, say so obviously they did something wrong that their kids are walking away. I think I think a lot of that depends on. Again, we go back to this phrase. Um, you know, who who rejected the gospel? I'm hoping. I'm hoping even the teenage years for sure, but even in the young adult years, I'm hoping they're still thinking about it. To me, if to me if there's someone who's just really hardened, then they've really given themselves over to certain sins. Um, but, but I've got to believe that if they've heard the true gospel that, that they're and felt love from God's people, there's things on their conscience mm. that, um, you know, are going to have an effect. So I would say with a teenager in the home, back to our previous, uh, question whose parents are making them come, but their body language tells you everything they're slouched during the sermon or what, you know, that you know that, that they're not following the Lord, um, depending on your relationship with that family, that child how, or teenager, how close you are, you know, I think we're, we're going to want to wrap around this family. How can we, um, how can I serve? How can I um, be an aunt or uncle um, to them and, and reach out uh, in some ways? And, uh, you, you know, just the easy way is how can I pray for you? Um, yeah. Um, uh, so to ask that question. And then I think for the young adults, again, I, um, uh, if you're not isolating our, our kids, then hopefully they have a relationship with other adults. So when, you know, when you say, or, or if that, if you're noticing the child is, going off into some sort of sin or something like that. Hopefully there's some sort of connection previously 
uh, where you can, where you can reach out, where you can reach out to them. So I think, I think, you know, how do you support parents? How do you support children? And I think for parents, just know, like, if these are intentional parents, then basically it, they're, they're grieving and they're probably like, they're grieving, they're angry. What, what do I, what do I do? You know, all, all sorts of things. So. Yeah. I had a friend who went, uh, you know, was a professing Christian in high school. I mean, he was, he was my best friend and went off to an Ivy league school and had questions, found intelligent people who had answers that seemed persuasive. And then he began, you know, I mean, one geographically, he was separated from people who loved the Lord, who knew him. Uh, And then in time, I finally was, I just went to his house after we both graduated and we were able to go out to lunch. And I, at that point he was just, you know, he had walked away and he said it was just easier because he felt like some of this was misreading scripture, but he felt like, uh, everyone would then have to come denounce him or something, or, you know, like he was a false teacher and this is like, that was not what he was doing. He just didn't want to be a Christian. Um, and so he made that separation thinking that everyone was just going to come after him. And I, if he was a member of my church, you know, it'd be uh, to warn him, you know, that kind of thing, but not in every conversation. I, I don't need to denounce him as a false teacher. Uh, Cause that's not what he was. He, he was just, you know, had walked away. Uh, so I think, and sometimes people can mishandle that and, and yeah, it could further harden someone. Jeff, <laughs> how can parents who have children who have walked away uh, how can they avoid bitterness or even jealousy when they look at someone else that, I mean, maybe they think we were more faithful than they were. We gave more effort towards this and their kids are walking with the Lord. And, you know, we have this child that's not, uh, what would your counsel be to them? Oh man. Well, I understand that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I understand that, that, that feeling. I think <laughs> being a parent is tricky in the sense that, um, that it's easy to get into a, a transactional thing where I do all this stuff for you and here's what you do for me. So, and I'm not in old age yet when you need to take care of me, but I just want you to uh, walk with the Lord. Don't get anybody pregnant. Don't get pregnant yourself. Don't do drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and when those things happen, uh, when a, a child walks away, you know, I think it's, I think it's easy. So here, here were good things we were hoping for you. And then now, um, and then now you're, you're not. So I, to me, I go back to is God watching over me, not them at this point, just me, me, is God watching over me? Yes. And so in, you know, in John 21, um, uh, Jesus says to Peter, uh, predicting his end. And then, and then Peter says, well, Hey, what about, what about John? <laughs> what about John? He said, well, if, if I want him to stay alive till I come back, what's that to you? You follow me. And so if I say, okay, this is, this is a chance for me to call out to the Lord more, to understand the heart of the Lord more, uh, as he goes after the prodigals and prays and doesn't give up and has faith. So as he loves his enemies, now an enemy of quote-unquote enemy uh, is in my own household, whether someone's antagonistic or someone's being manipulative, 
like uh, you know I, I was counseling one one woman whose whose daughter had a uh, same-sex partner and had a child and said you know if, if we're going to come if you want to see your grandchild uh, you basically you have to accept all of us etc so anyway those are those are just painful some of the mm-hmm. deepest cuts come from the family um, so I think it's going back going back to Christ how much he loves me um, how much he's forgiven me mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day uh, I'm going to follow the Lord so I I can't I, I can't control anybody I can't control my wife I can't control my kids I can't control my church I can't control anybody all I can do is be faithful myself so so Job Job would say though he slay me I will trust him um, and so that's that's a deeper that's a deeper faith and I know it is but I think I think it part of having the prodigal is it it rips it rips out of us oh i'm finding my identity in my kids which a lot of parents it's easy to do especially moms but a lot of parents uh yeah my son yeah did you know my son has a phd did you know my son's drafted uh in the nfl you know did you know my daughter etc etc well that's a little kudos on my back because i'm such a great parent um and that my identity is in my kids. So obviously when you have nothing like that to brag about, <laughs> about but it's pain, it's painful. It's pain. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Now, is there anything that uh, parents or churches can be looking out for in regard to this topic and for children potentially walking away? I mean, do they, we need to make sure they're not listening to that Elvis Presley music, you know? Okay. <laughs> Well, I, it's funny, but we, so the church I'm in now, after I started the ministry, helped the, my old church find a successor, and now, um, and now I'm in another church, and we've got a crop of kids, and they're starting now, the oldest is ninth grade, they're a few older than that, but let's say the, the big lion's share of kids is ninth grade and below, we've got a lot of kids, and I think the easy thing is you're, you're busy in the day-to-day, um, children's ministry is going great and you know you got a lot of got a lot of kids running around it's fun it's great it's hard work um and yet one day that that you know that 14 year old will be 24 and the 12 year olds will be 22 and so are we thinking long term how are we including the family in the ministry uh, is there hypocrisy in our church? If we go through some church split, are we thinking about how the kids are, how the kids are taking that in? Are we seeking unity for the sake of the, the not only testimony to the to the body, I mean to the world, but also just to our kids? So, I mean, I think there's all sorts of ways. Are we are we walking with the Lord? Goes back to example. Am I walking with the Lord myself? And then also, am I, do I have an interest in some of these, some of these kids? Um, you know, we, I, we had a man who just picked out a couple of kids and he would just regularly asked, how can I pray for you for those same kids? Hmm. Um, and I just, that's a great, great way because those kids at 14 are going to be 24. You know, they're, they're just because they're running around and hopefully right now not causing a lot of problems. Um, they're going to face temptations. And so to have that kind of that cohort, that um, network of relationships 
where um, parents can rely on people in the church. We, we had we had times we would say to we had some issues with some of our teens at, at point and I'd say go go talk to to this person or that person and get tell them everything tell them how you're disagreeing with me and you know what you think how you think I'm being wrong and tell them everything don't hold anything back and get their opinion and so I think having that network of relationships in the church uh, is really helpful that's good thank you that's good uh, so, Chap, if someone's adult children are in the, the place where they have rejected the faith, uh, is that the end of that person's Christian legacy? You know, kind of like you don't have any more kids but the, or no sons, the, the family line doesn't go on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think a couple of things are, are wrong with that thinking. First of all, uh, I'm not convinced the story's over with with uh, a child who's rejected the faith and uh, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be praying for them until the day I die. Uh, and um, you know, I want them, to, I want them to know that out of love, not out of, you know, sticking it, sticking it to you, but out of love, I want you to know that I'm going to be praying to you for you till, the, you know, till I die, you know, even on their deathbed, our children can come back. So maybe a wasted life, but um, so I, I'm not going to give up on my own children. And it, and yet at the same uh, time, uh, there's other ways that we're to, uh, we're to pass the gospel. And, to, and Paul could talk about uh, sons that he had in the gospel. And uh, I just inter actually interviewed uh, Tim Challies and he's got a chapter in his book on, he just lost his own son physically, his only son, sorry, his only son. Um, died suddenly and he said i don't know where it came from but the prayer i just started uttering a prayer lord give me sons and uh and i feel that similarly uh, praying lord give me give me sons so uh certainly just because our own biological family is difficult uh, doesn't mean that uh, we can't have spiritual sons and daughters uh as well in some ways those those can be even more rewarding when we see someone who's not uh, attached to us by blood, someone who doesn't doesn't have to show up <laughs> at Christmas and, and other times um, uh, actually develop a strong relationship. So so no, that's that's not that's not the the end. We're we're to be faithful. I think the Lord's the the uh, judgment day will you know cause a number of things to come to light. I I want to love my prodigal, uh, no matter what. I want even if they don't follow Christ while I'm alive. I want them to say, my mom or dad loved Christ. They loved Christ and they loved me. And I was difficult at times, but they but they loved me. And um, you know, I, I I think that's that's a testimony we ought to aim for. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just want to add, actually, this makes me think of, you know, my full-time children's ministry days. I remember there was a uh, there was a couple in the church that uh, 
they were thinking about serving in children's ministry and being involved in the kids in the church, but kind of what was holding them back actually was almost a feeling like they're not equipped because they, they had adult children that all walked away. And, uh, and they, you know, and they decided eventually to serve and they were so faithful and it was amazing to see the impact that the legacy that they were having on children, some children who didn't have really Christian parents. And, and it's really beautiful how God works in such ways. Jeff, since you do have a, a website full of resources, plus others that you might be aware of, anything that you would point people to that are walking through this issue or trying to help others who might be walking through these issues? Yeah, a number of things. I mean, we, I, I've got a couple of podcasts that I did. One I did with Dave Harvey. He, he walked through having a prodigal. He's got a book on, on that um, that was helpful. Uh, I referenced a couple of those things uh, in, in the show. One, I've also got a podcast, um, things, uh, an apologetics for the Christian mess, which basically different reasons that the Bible says that we should expect Christianity to be messy. So those are some things that I wish uh, that I knew. And then uh, I've got another blog post uh, specifically talking about the age, how victimization gives you power. Um, and the, the title is uh, escaping me. Maybe you could look it up and put it in the show notes. But um, basically, we can um we're living in an age when people will play that play that card and be the spiritual victim when they're not um and so uh, i think i think it has emotional blackmail in the title but um yeah i think all those things are helpful and uh, actually i just did a podcast with uh rick horn on uh who you should consider having on your show who did um get out of my face um, how to deal with angry and unmotivated teens. Uh, so that was really, really helpful also. So those are just some things on the, on the website. Excellent. Yeah. So I would encourage you to look at the disciple making parent.com and there's a pop-up on there. Now you're, you're giving away the audiobook for free, which that's a generous gift, but, uh, make use of that folks. It's good, good material in there. And, uh, you can also listen to it as a podcast or something as well. Is that right? Um, well, the, so the, you're talking about the book, The Disciple Making Parent? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, the pop-up now gives it to you, and we, I finally found out in my uh, technological ignorance how if we give you the RSS feed, you can pop it into Apple Podcasts. And so, I mean, I can't even stand to listen to myself at normal speed. You know, I want to <laughs> speed, speed myself up. And finally, so now finally you can uh, pop that into uh, Apple Podcasts or other players and uh, and listen to the audiobook uh, you know on, on higher speeds or it'll keep track of where you were so uh, yeah I'm pretty excited about that and yeah I just we want to we want to equip parents to pass the gospel to their kids and uh, hopefully this is a resource that can help parents wonderful so well, again thank, thank you brother for your labors and for for uh, coming and talking to us today yeah we appreciate thanks. it thanks Appreciate you guys on right on the front line. Thank you. God bless, brother. Well, you have a wonderful day, and I hope our listeners are blessed by this. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. 
We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.